0: The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jager, Presenting Season 9, Avalanche, Interlude, The Greatest, written by Mercedes Lackey and Dennis K. Lee. The masters didn't understand bowing or kneeling. Their bodies weren't really made for either. Their gesture of subservience was to lie face down on the floor. So that is what Doppelganger was doing, face down on the polished floor in front of Jarrow. The floor, whatever it was made of, was like cool silk on her skin. There wasn't even a speck of dust to cause the least physical discomfort. Mental discomfort, however, was another story entirely. Doppelganger was... In misery. Fury warred with grief, humiliation with an acute unease she couldn't even pinpoint, and mixed in there was a seething, bubbling mass of other emotions that were all as painful as they were unidentifiable. So, you failed. Jero didn't spit the words. His vocal apparatus wasn't suited to that. I picked you. I personally picked you, and you failed. You loser. You told me that eating that genie person was going to make you unstoppable, and you failed. You failed me. Sad. You are so overrated. What is wrong with you? How dare you fail me? Resentment bubbled to the top of her emotions she was grateful that the Masters were singularly inept at reading the cues of emotion in human speech. I am a loser, mighty Gerald. I should have known better than to think I could obtain the Victrix without your personal guidance. I only hope that your personal greatness holds the generosity to forgive my unforgivable hubris. Anger and sarcasm were so thick in the air, it was a wonder they didn't show up surrounding her as clouds of bile green and sullen red. But Jero, as usual, was oblivious to anything that wasn't himself. Well, yes. You should have come to me for directions. I suppose my underlings must not have instructed you to do so. They're even bigger losers than you are. Sad. Jero's feet moved a little on the floor in front of her as he swayed back and forth. I'll have a word with them when I'm through with you. Yes, Lord Jero, she repeated. You are absolutely right, as always. Suddenly, Jero stopped swaying, she stiffened as she sensed him bending down over her, even though she couldn't see him. How could she know that? The sensation threw her into confusion for a moment. Then, suddenly, a whole new world of sensation burst on her, coming from her skin. It was like skin radar, or heat sensing skin, or pressure sensing, or vibrational sensing. No. It was all of these, all of them at once, and this must have come from Red Genie. She winced as her mind struggled to cope with what Red must have always had to deal with, a constant stream of information that bombarded her. She had a vague sense that Jero had resumed speaking, though it was drowned out by a massive overload of sensory data, enough that she couldn't pick out anything over the din. And then... She exhaled as her surroundings came back into focus, her mind growing accustomed to processing and mapping it all, and it was with a certain wonder that she took it all in. She saw it all, the entirety of his enormous throne room. She remembered the first time she had been brought here, a rare honor even among the elite. It had not met her expectations of grandeur then— and if anything, her extended senses amplified the sheer tackiness of it now. The supreme Oberfuhrer Gero, in his infinite wisdom, had chosen flash over substance, excess over functionality. While each surface was maintained, kept bright, polished, and immaculate, the furnishings defied any notion of style or elegance. To say the landscape was busy was a staggering understatement. No area was untouched by alien-looking trophies of war and countless monitors which hung from the walls, from the ceiling, angled towards a massive throne where Jero would sit and watch the constant stream of violence he had set in motion, from all around the earth. She had maintained her male form then, as she did now, for even the masters were not above prejudice. If anything... "'Jero was the worst of them, gauging first one's sex and appearance, "'placing value on experience and merit almost as an afterthought. "'What did it matter to him? "'Everyone who served him did so with the disturbing knowledge "'that if they displayed so much as the slightest degree of disrespect, "'their death would be quick and merciless. "'Such incidents were rare, "'rare enough that Jero would opt to deliver judgment by his own hand— It was said that there was no one the supreme Oberfuhrer couldn't dispense of with a nod of his head, even Baron, if it came to that. Doppelganger could only guess at the power he possessed. It was all buried in legend. If he really was that powerful, he hid it well. Like all of the masters, he stood well over the usual height for humans. Eight, perhaps nine feet tall, more than enough to tower over them. Like all of the masters, he had an oddly feminine face, broad at the top, narrowing to a pointed chin, with a mere slit for a mouth, twin slits for a nose, and enormous jewel-like eyes. Like all of them, he had six arms and two legs, the two largest ending in powerful pincer claws, the other four kept folded against his torso, ending in tiny, delicate hands. This part was not usual. Most— Though not all, Master's manipulative arms ended in some combination of two to six thin but muscular tentacles. Like all of them except Baron, he wore mostly decorative armor completely covering his torso, and his head was covered in what looked like feathers. Unlike most Masters, his head feathers were not silky. In fact, they looked stiff and bristly, almost straw-like. Every Master she had ever seen was a different color. Jero was a sort of brass color. Too orange to be gold, and yet, despite his arrogant manner, he seemed almost frail. He moved with a delicate precision, as if his tired body could bear only so much exertion, hiding away whatever great power lay within. Jero continued to bend over her, and Doppelganger came to attention as he folded his arms behind his back. He was about to ask her something. Do you know why we ally ourselves with some members of a race we intend to conquer? He said softly. We always do this. Sometimes we even accept some of them into our world, like the ones you call the Thuleans. But have you ever guessed why? No, she replied, "'so wrapped up in her own internal struggle that it was all the reply she could manage. "'Not just because it's entertaining, which it is, of course, "'but because you all bring something new and intriguing to the party. "'Sometimes, most times, really, "'you can't integrate with our society in your proper place.' and we let you die off when we conquer your world and burn it to the ground. But sometimes you prove useful, entertaining, and adaptive, and we keep selected members of you with us. Even fodder has its purpose. Those fools in Ultima Thule were particularly useful." Gladly did we give up that pathetic collection of rebellious upstarts, knowing full well that the humans would at last feel safe, safe enough to betray the location of Metis. She sensed Jero's plumes moving, slicking back. So the question in your mind should be right now... How do I make myself so indispensable to Lord Jarrow that he keeps me with him when he blows this planet up? And that really is the only consideration you should have right now. He stood up. Because unless things change, we're close to that moment. And so far... There are not too many of your kind that seem worth the trouble of holding on to. I will double my efforts, Supreme Oberfuhrer, Doppelganger replied. You will have the Victrix woman, I swear this to you. Yes, I suppose we will, Jero chuckled. A pity that Tesla and Marconi were lost, and Arthur Chang, but no matter... With Verdigris in hand, Victrix will surely complete whatever intelligence is left to be salvaged from this pitiful ape planet. Their combined imagination and expertise should be enough to catapult our AI matrix to a desirable plateau. Perhaps even enough to solve that most damnable puzzle that has plagued us since the beginning. For the umpteenth time, Doppelganger almost asked what this ultimate mystery was— and quickly silenced herself by gritting her teeth. It was death for any mere human to know, to even ask. Tell me something good, then, doppelganger, Jero sighed, returning to his throne and planting himself down on it with a grandiose flourish. I feel an itch, and I suspect snuffing out your worthless life might go a far way to scratching it. Tell me something. Save yourself. The process to have Vertigree transferred to the Matrix proceeds smoothly, Supreme Oberfuhrer, Doppelganger said. The technicians report none of the complications experienced previously with other subjects. It would seem that Verdigree had prepared himself for this. It's almost as if he had foreseen he would inevitably be in this position, though probably in a more voluntary state of mind— They expect his consciousness will reach saturation in the temporary stasis field soon. Then it will be a simple matter of eliminating his more troublesome traits, like his essentially rebellious and contentious nature, before full transfer to the Matrix. I suppose that is something, Jero said. It makes me feel better. Abruptly, he waved at the air, like a child on the verge of a tantrum but not enough. I desire more. He sat up and glared at her, and though she lay flat and prostrate, Doppelganger's radial awareness detailed a rather frightening revelation. Jero's eyes had begun to glow and then burn with a great light. She remained still, awaiting the end. It didn't come, and she fought to remain calm as the light faded from Jero's eyes. She sensed a slight cock of his head, a gesture that often betrayed a sudden moment of rare inspiration for the masters. For them, inspiration was often the prelude to violence, but this was Jero, who savored playing with his food. Tell me, doppelganger, Jero purred. You pursued the genie with a fervent ardor, one I have not seen in quite some time. And here you are, victorious over your adversary, claiming his very body as your prize. Speak the truth. Did you achieve your heart's desire? No, Supreme Oberfuhrer, I did not, Doppelganger moaned and shuddered as she failed to quell her sorrow. Then your quest for immortality has eluded you, Jero snarled. Again you fail. I tire of you now, doppelganger. Go. Go and serve, and be mindful of how close you came to extinction today. Thank you, supreme Oberfuhrer. I live but to serve. Doppelganger rose slowly to her feet and carefully backed out of Jero's throne room when she had reached the corridor and the door to his throne room slid shut she did not allow herself to feel anything it still wasn't safe jero always knew when one was lying and she had come dangerously close to revealing herself only when she was half the ship away did she stop was she immortal she simply didn't know, though she had her suspicions about it. When Gerald had asked if she had achieved her heart's desire, he thought her sorrow came from the utter disappointment of a long-failed experiment. But she had answered him with truth. No, her heart's desire eluded her, but it wasn't that old burning ambition for power, for immortality. Her heart had died when she had destroyed the only thing she had ever loved— "'the only thing she had ever truly desired. "'She supposed that might have saved her life. "'If she had answered yes, what might Jarrow have done then? "'If she truly was a mortal, "'would that not be worth more to the supreme Oberfuhrer "'than all of her past service?' "'She imagined herself seized on his command, "'bound and neutralized, "'and taken to the research facilities to be dissected, studied, in the hopes of unraveling the secrets held within her new, undying form. It might have frightened her, once, but with the death of her love she struggled to find meaning in anything. The only thing she felt these days was an overwhelming sense of fatigue. Ever since she'd integrated Red Genie, in fact. She'd been alarmed the first time it happened. This had never been the case with anyone else she'd devoured. But, well, Red was different so very different. It stood to reason that his integration would be different from every other experience she'd had. Bed, she thought, and hurried towards her quarters. Jero would know, of course, but he'd probably assume she'd been momentarily overcome by the glory of his presence and needed a bit of a laydown. Whatever... The thought of the oblivion she would surrender to for the next few hours was more inviting than anything else she could think of at this moment. Yes, bed. The mere prospect gave enough strength that she hurried away to her quarters. She could not taste that sweet, sweet darkness soon enough. You've been listening to The Secret World Chronicle Written by Mercedes Lackey Cody Martin Dennis Lee and Veronica Jagger. Narration and production by Veronica Jagger at voicesbyveronica.com. Quality review and production assistance by Laura Nicole at resonantmoon.com. Music by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series is released under a Creative Commons attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. For previous episodes, check out SecretWorldChronicle.com. The Secret World Chronicle is published by the fantastic people at Bayon Books. Find fellow SWC fans on the Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash SecretWorldChronicle. And as always, thank you for listening.